advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hello once again, everyone, and welcome to this edition, a special edition, if you will, of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holters with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen, a.k.a. the Mad Stat. Yes, we have just completed a mandatory minicamp, and now the closest thing the NFL has to a plant shutdown uh, happens over the next couple of weeks, and then before we know it, it'll be St. Joe, Missouri, and the Chiefs will be on the field uh, for training camp of 2022. We want a special episode of Defending the Kingdom for this show. We will focus on the Juneteenth holiday, a national holiday now, and talk about how the Chiefs uh, and the Chiefs' kingdom uh, relates to the Juneteenth holiday. But before we do that, Matt, it's our tradition now that we go around the world. So 13 names and places, as always now, of course, in honor of 13, 13 seconds. seconds. We can't forget that. Um, so we have Raymond in Leadville, Colorado. Bob in Sydney, Australia. He'll be here this upcoming season for the Titans game. He's making the trek from Sydney. So looking yes. forward to seeing you, Bob. Uh, we've got Lyle uh, at Table Rock Lake, Missouri. Have you ever been there? I have. Incredible. Yeah. It's a pilgrimage in the summertime for many folks and fans of the uh, Chiefs Kingdom. Never been there before, but I want to go. Yeah. I wish like beautiful photos All you did Twitter. is just opened up an invitation. <laughs> if you want Matt Stat and LA to go to Table Rock Lake, Send us your invitation. You'll have 100 by the end of the episode. My in-laws always talk about it. They want to go there, too. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's awesome. Got to go see Lyle at Table Rock Lake. Yep. Um, Mark in Glasgow, Montana is listening. Uh, he declared Glasgow, Montana as Chief's Kingdom North. Uh, this is a cool one. We have Payam in Tehran wow. in the Middle East. Yeah, listening to DTK. Uh, Dustin in Taylor, Texas. Gary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Dennis in New Hampshire. Derek in Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Troy in Shinglehouse, Pennsylvania. I think we hear from Troy every single week. Thanks for listening, Troy. Uh, Daniel declared Hollister, California as Central Coast Chiefs Kingdom. Tyler in Atlanta is listening to DTK. And lastly, we've got Nikki. Uh, they declared Hannibal, Missouri as Kingdom on the River. Mark Twain was a huge Chiefs fan. There you go. He existed before the uh, Dallas Texans and Chiefs existed, but we just go ahead and claim Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain, Hannibal, Missouri, as a Chiefs fan. You want to go to Lake of the uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, you want to go to Table Rock Lake, which yeah. is phenomenal. I think I want to go to Shinglehouse, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and see Troy. Yeah, just hang out. I just, I just want to see Shingle House, uh, Pennsylvania. I'm just so I'm just so intrigued. Yeah. Uh, by Shingle House. Well, we have so many Pennsylvania people on the Chiefs staff, like Brett Veach, Coach Reed. Well, and you just in uh, the 65 TPT staff. Yeah, Joe Look, Baker. Going on. Lots of people. Dane's in there. Uh, he's pretty close to Shingle House, I think. In fact, that's my new nickname for him. All right. Is Shingle House, of course, or the franchise. Uh, he's the lead producer of the franchise. He's fantastic there. But uh, this episode, whether you're from Pen Shingle House, Pennsylvania, or Table Rock Lake, uh, California, Rhode Island, or Washington, uh, we mentioned at the outset of the podcast to talk about Juneteenth. Uh, and that is the national holiday observed on. Um, this year on the 20th of June, because the Juneteenth date, June 19, is on a Sunday. But it uh, is now a national holiday, dates back to 1865 in Galveston, Texas. It's also been called Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, um, 
uh, Union Army General Gordon Granger had order number three, which made it um, a celebration, if you will, and now it's a national holiday. But it celebrates, of course, uh, the freedom uh, of African Americans, black Americans uh, at that time. We thought we would tie in the Chief's Kingdom uh, to Juneteenth and the holiday. Yeah, so last year uh, I had the great pleasure of sitting down with Bobby Bell uh, and kind of just learning about what his experience was like when he was a young player uh, in the AFL and later the NFL. And Bobby wrote an incredible uh, article for our website that you can find uh, on Chiefs.com detailing how difficult things were for him. And I think through his words you can kind of learn – uh, not only how difficult things were for African-American athletes back then, but also uh, how the Chiefs and the AFL played such a role in kind of changing that a bit. And uh, it's really interesting stuff. Bobby was... Interesting to interrupt you. It's one of my favorite stories about Chiefs Kingdom history. Yeah. And it's, it's not been told enough from a standpoint of the National Football League or U.S. sports history, in my opinion. Absolutely. People just really don't know about it. And that's why I thought it was so great that Bobby took the time to really kind of put this all together. Bobby finished third in Heisman Trophy voting uh, his final year at Minnesota. He was an All-American, but yet he talked about uh, how he didn't think he'd play in the NFL because the NFL just wasn't uh, recruiting black players. And when black players were in the NFL, they weren't given a real opportunity to really thrive and lead. Well, the Vikings drafted him in the second round, but they wouldn't guarantee his contract. He's like, why would I go play for you if you're not going to guarantee my contract? I was third in Heisman Trophy voting. Are you kidding me? I'm one of the best players in the nation. Well, the cool thing about this story is Lamar Hunt, who was still kind of getting the AFL off the ground, he traveled to Minnesota to go talk to Bobby, and he said that he would guarantee his contract. Like, no problem. And Bobby came to the Chiefs, and the rest is history. But think about that 1969 team, that Super Bowl team for the Chiefs, all the different players um, that were from HBCUs. So Bobby wasn't, but the reason he thought the Chiefs were so great during this time is they were giving black players an opportunity. And at the time, NFL teams were not recruiting from HBCUs at all. So listen to all these players. Willie Lanier, a Pro Football Hall of Famer from Morgan State. Otis Taylor from Prairie View A&M. Otis Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame. Buck Buchanan, Grambling State. Robert Holmes, Southern University. Frank Pitts, Southern University. Jim Kearney, Prairie View A&M. Emmett Thomas, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Uh, Bishop College. Gloucester Richardson, Jackson State. Nolan Smith, Tennessee State. Goldie Sellers, Grambling State. And Willie Mitchell, Tennessee State. I'm sure there's several more. Uh, It's just so interesting to see how the Chiefs were recruiting from these HBCUs, uh, giving black athletes an opportunity. And not just an opportunity to play, but to lead. Because Willie Lanier is a great example of this. He was the middle linebacker for one of the greatest defenses of all time. And this really laid the framework and the example for NFL teams uh, in the years to follow that uh, black athletes deserve to be in the NFL. And uh, the Chiefs really were um, where that started. And it's a, it's a thing that this franchise should be proud of. There was a quarter. There were some outstanding black athletes, Emlyn Tunnell of the Giants, uh, Marion Motley of the Cleveland Browns. But it was almost like there was a feeling of an unofficial quota. The Chiefs broke through that barrier. Uh, and then it opened the door. When you talk about Willie Lanier, he has become an outstanding civic leader in Richmond, Virginia, down through the years. So he took his Pro Football Hall of Fame career from Morgan State and 
became a civic leader. We know what Bobby Bell has done in this community. Uh, it gives me chills to talk about it. And don't you think the Vikings, when Joe Cap was harassed in that Super Bowl victory by the Chiefs in Super Bowl four, and Bobby Bell's all over the field, along with Willie Lanier, and you just mentioned so many players that were HBCUs on that Super Bowl championship team. Don't you think the Vikings were going, wow, I think we screwed up here. We should have guaranteed Bobby Bell's contract. Uh, but the Chiefs really, uh, in it, Lamar Hunt in so many ways, opened the door for opportunities uh, for African-American athletes, but specifically HBCU athletes. Yeah, it's just a really cool thing that this franchise uh, was a part of. And when you look back at the history of it, we think about how the Chiefs beating the Vikings in that game was great for the AFL's legitimacy. Like it made the AFL, everyone knew, okay, this league is for real. But also, I think, for showing that this is the way you should be doing things. We should be uh, inclusive and including all athletes in our league. And the NFL followed suit uh, from the AFL. And um, I'd recommend, again, just reading the piece that Bobby wrote on Chiefs.com last year. You can easily find it. Uh, it just really says a lot about all the things that uh, he had to go through back then, but how this franchise and how Lamar helped change things for the better. I'm also going to give you some ideas here. When you come to GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium or you visit training camp in St. Joseph or whenever you make the pilgrimage here to the uh, center of the Chiefs' kingdom, if you will, for our around-the-world uh, listeners and viewers and those who make the trips, like our friend in, from Sydney, Australia, there's some suggestions I want to give you as it pertains here uh, to the Juneteenth celebration. And I'm going to give three of them. I'll space these out. Uh, but one is the Buffalo Soldiers Monument. It's at Fort Leavenworth on post, uh, 45 to 50 minutes from where we're sitting here at Arrowhead Stadium at the practice facility. Uh, it was dedicated in 1992, but it was for the 9th and 10th Cavalry Regiments, which were an all-black cavalry regiment that was mustered in and organized in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, uh, September the 21st, 1866. They were involved all the way up to World War II, the uh, Philippine insurrection. Um, involved also at the war with Spain. I mean, if you look at the history of the 9th and 10th Cavalry, there's still reenactors uh, that live here in the Chiefs' Kingdom that's part of the Buffalo Soldiers' Monument. It is a must when you come here to visit the Chiefs' Kingdom. I got two more, but we'll spread these out uh, in this episode. Another one, and it's very interesting, is the Negro Leagues Museum at the 18th and Vine uh, part of Kansas City, which also includes the Jazz Museum, uh, the Blue Room, one of my favorite places to go for jazz, particularly when it's like the uh, night when they show up and they're just doing the jam sessions. But even our own Chiefs players have been able to discover uh, something as cool as the Negro Leagues Museum. Yeah, two of our newest players. So Justin Reed and Trent McDuffie uh, earlier this month had the opportunity to go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum alongside about a dozen high school football players from Lincoln College Prep, which is so close to the old site of Municipal Stadium, where the Chiefs first played, uh, of course, and Bobby Bell played his first games for the Chiefs. A really, really cool visit because Bob Kendrick is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and the guy is like a walking encyclopedia. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. Uh, and he explained to these guys just uh, how the Negro Leagues in so many ways were the precursor for positive change in America all over the place. So if you think about it, um, Major League Baseball reintegrated. So Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in 1947. In 1948, that's when the military integrated. In 1954, that's when public schools integrated. And the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. 
Baseball was ahead of all this stuff. Football actually was as well because in 1946, football reintegrated. The NFL did. So sports always find a way to lead the way, I feel like, in society. Society follows sports lead. But um, this was really the case uh, with the Negro Leagues. And Bob Kendrick talks about how if you're any minority athlete, your history begins with the Negro Leagues, and it's such a cool thing. So he gave a tour to uh, Trent McDuffie and Justin Reed, and afterward I had a chance to catch up with Trent uh, about the visit uh, and what Juneteenth means to him. All right, I'm joined here by Trent McDuffie on the hallowed ground of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. We're on the diamond right here, Trent, and you said a chance to, to walk through this amazing place. You're brand new to Kansas City, and this is one of the things you really have to see when you move here. What would you think of the museum here today? Um, honestly, this is probably one of like the dopest places I've ever seen. Um, and that's saying a lot because I've seen a lot of cool stuff, but being able to like sit here with life-size statues and learn the names of all these hall of famers that honestly you won't hear because they're just not in the books. Um, and so coming here and learning about their history and what they've done for us way back in the past, um, that's kind of been overlooked is special to see and to learn about and definitely something that I can now go teach others because I feel like this experience was super cool to me and something very valuable. So Bob Kendrick is the, the president of this great place and does an amazing job giving tours. The guy's like living history. And one thing that he said that kind of stuck with me is that we remember the people that crossed the bridge, but not those that build it. And the athletes in the Negro Leagues really built the bridge for in so many ways for not just baseball, but professional sports. For you, was there anything when you were walking through here that you learned that you didn't know before that kind of stuck with you? Yeah. Um, I mean, shoot, the list probably goes on forever. But um, on this wall, actually, um, I remember he was talking about how the fans at the New York League baseball games, they weren't segregated. And for me, that was shocking because I've always just known segregation to be segregation. Like there was no in between. So when he told me about how this league was able to create an atmosphere like that, um, just goes to show how special it was and goes to show the impact it had on our society way back then before we even knew it. Yeah, it's cool how sports are kind of that yeah, bridge in a lot of ways. Cool. Uh, so we're celebrating Juneteenth this month, and our visit here is part of celebrating Juneteenth. When you think about Juneteenth, uh, what's its importance to you? What do you think about? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely as a little kid, you know, you don't really know much. You know it's a holiday. You know it's you're celebrating. But there was just not much I can go see, like, where I lived. And just it was just hard to truly feel like you were a part of Juneteenth. Um, but growing up and coming here and just talking with my family and friends and kind of just maturing, you definitely get to realize that I'm in a position where I can now honor those who have come before me. Um, I can see what they've done for me and realize that they've helped me get to the position I am now before I was even a thought. So being able to just see these guys and just hear their stories is truly impactful to me. You're what, like 21, 22? I am 21, young gun. But you're the old guy for the high schoolers that were here that yeah. came along in this tour, some high schoolers from Lincoln College Prep, the high school football team. Yeah. You're the guy they look up to, and you can be that guy that's kind of teaching them um, why this stuff is important. What's that mean to you? Yeah, um, honestly, it's super dope whenever you get to go back in the community and talk to the younger generation because, like, for me, I was in their position three years ago, and it was just a trip to just see them and talk to them and hear their stories and be like, man, I get you. Like I was literally there, like it's still fresh in my mind. So being able to be that person who can kind of just teach them and just take things from my life that I can just leave with them. And if they want to use it or not, um, is important because I feel like growing up, I was that kid who was like, Oh, I want to hear what this athlete has to say, what my older brothers have to say. Um, so just giving back now is special for me. 
Well, that's all part of kind of learning about your new adopted home here yeah. in Kansas City. It feels like you've been here forever already. It's only been a couple of months, but uh, this is a chance to really learn about this city a little bit yeah. uh, beyond just the Chiefs. Uh, what'd that mean to you, kind of learning about your new home? Yeah, um, I always like going into somewhere new and kind of just getting into the the nitty grittiness of it. Um, truly feeling like I'm a part of the community because this community is going to welcome me into something new. Um, and so being able to come here and kind of just meet new people and understand the new city that I'm in. I love Kansas City already. I've only been here for a little time, but I feel like I've been here forever. Um, it's awesome for me. And it's something that I can just go home now and tell my family like, hey, I did something new. I learned something new about Kansas City that now when you guys come out, you can learn too. So it's pretty special to be able to come to these events and experience stuff like this. All right, great stuff there from Trent. Really, really cool. And it was awesome because they didn't just go to the museum and explore it and go home. After the visit was over, these 20 high schoolers, or however many it was, were just buzzing, wanting to talk to these guys. And it would be really easy for Trent and Justin to say, hey, we got to run, we got to go. You know, they're right in the middle of OTAs at this point, but they stayed for an extra hour just getting to know every single one of these kids. And you can tell when it's real and when it's not. And with these guys, it was real. So it was really, really cool to see not just them experience the museum and all this amazing history and learn about their new home in Kansas City, but also take the time to really get to know these kids because the kids will never forget it, you know, and it really can make a positive impact on their lives. So uh, all around a really cool uh, afternoon with those guys. And Justin and Trent are two impressive guys, so very articulate uh, and and factors now in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs football team and in the Chiefs kingdom, but you can see the depth of their character and understanding of their surroundings is something that's admirable. That 22nd in Brooklyn facility uh, where Bobby Bell played and others, the Memorial or Municipal Stadium, was the original home of the Kansas City Monarchs, which was the most successful team in the Negro Leagues uh, down through the years. But there were also early heroes uh, from the Negro Leagues. We know about Buck O'Neill, uh, Satchel Paige, who then went on to pitch in the uh, major leagues. At like age 50. Yeah. And was like amazing. The, the Kansas City A's. He had a rocking chair out there. But uh, it brought him into the lineup, and it, it was awesome. Satchel Paige was quite the, uh, quite the personality. But even cool Papa Bell and Josh Gibson, who might be the most – the best catcher in the history of baseball, uh, came out of those Negro Leagues. Uh, and so that museum is another must-visit when you're in the Chiefs' kingdom or coming to GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium or training camp in St. Joe. Let me give you another one. You mentioned the integration of schools. The Chiefs' kingdom was right there uh, in the middle of that story. Brown versus Topeka Board of Education, uh, the 1954 uh, Supreme Court decision, which really eliminated separate versus equal, which was the segregated schools, was the case that started in uh, Topeka, Kansas. And the Brown versus Topeka Board of Education site is a national park. It's a national site. It's very well done uh, with that landmark decision that was made then. It's at... Uh, uh, look here, 1515 Southeast Monroe in Topeka, Kansas. It is 66 minutes from where we are right now. It is a must-visit, a day visit. If you live in the Chiefs' Kingdom, so many people have never visited the Buffalo Soldiers' Monument or the Negro Leagues Museum or the Brown versus Topeka Board of Education site. I've got another one uh, that was a little further on a day trip for you, but uh, very intriguing nonetheless. But before we get to that one, I think now there's a lot of discussion around the National Football League, and the 2022 Chiefs roster is involved in this as well because discussion with the Heritage Bowl, where the HBCU players have been given uh, some real opportunities here 
uh, in the Chiefs roster this year, and the rookie class fits right in uh, to what the Chiefs did maybe did, uh, when they were pioneers uh, back in the 60s. It's all about continuing that legacy. I mean, that's a responsibility, I think, when you're a franchise like the Chiefs. I think it's cool that Patrick Mahomes was involved with the Legacy Bowl. Really, really cool. Uh, and the fact that the Chiefs uh, gave an HBCU player an opportunity in the draft this year, and Joshua Williams. They drafted him in the fourth round out of Fayetteville State. He was the first player drafted from an HBCU since 2020 and the highest drafted uh, since 2019. He was the first player drafted from Fayetteville State in 46 years. Really, really cool. And um, just an outstanding young player we've been watching him in OTAs and in minicamp uh, he's a guy that's going to help us win some games this year but it's so cool that he's representing Fayetteville State here in the NFL and a lot of people are behind him and hopefully this trend continues of um, players at HBCUs um, getting opportunities in the NFL because they truly deserve it Brian Cook's another one so he played at Cincinnati the last two years we all know that as a safety uh, the Chiefs took him in the second round but before that he transferred from Howard another HBCU and he's a corner at Howard and um, just a monster there and that's how he earned his opportunity at Cincinnati so two players with kind of an HBCU legacy uh, currently on this team two rookies on this team one other one that we don't talk about as much Ted Cruz is our executive vice president of communications I got to write an article on Ted um, a few months ago Ted Cruz is seen in the PR world as like the Patrick Mahomes of PR like he, if you talk to a PR person and you say, you know, Ted Cruz or like, you know, Ted, I mean, he's, he's the best. And he went to South Carolina state, which is an HBCU. And what's so cool about that is he likes to tell young people, if you love sports, you can still get into sports, even if you're not playing. And that's kind of what he tries to preach. And, um, Ted's amazing. So if you're interested in communications or PR, look up Ted Cruz. Um, and what he's doing with the Chiefs, because he also is from an HBCU and is continuing that great legacy um, here on the PR side of things for the Chiefs. I've got another place for you to visit when you come to St. Joe to training camp or GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium or any other pilgrimage here to the Chiefs' kingdom. That's going to take a little more of a drive uh, because the Buffalo Soldiers Monument on post at Fort Leavenworth, easy drive, about an hour. Uh, less than in about an hour to go to the Brown versus Topeka Board of Education site in, to, in Topeka. But I've got another one that is one of, again, much like the Chiefs uh, opening the doors to HBCU players in the 60s, a Kansas town called Nicodemus. Kansas as a state opened the doors to black families that were looking to make a new start uh, in the eight, late 1860s and the 1870s. Nicodemus is in Graham County, Kansas. It is a national historic site. It is 315 miles from where we are right here. It's about an hour from my hometown of where I grew up, uh, about four hours away from Arrowhead Stadium. But it is a community that was around the Homestead Act, and there were an opportunity given uh, to African-American families to start a new life. 160 acres were given to them, like others in the Homestead Act, if they could make it happen over a five-year period. Well, here we are in 2022, and there have been generations of great families that have come from Nicodemus, Kansas, which was an all-black community in Graham County, Kansas. Here's where the NFL is involved with the uh, Nicodemus, Kansas community. And again, people just, just understand how awesome uh, Nicodemus is to visit. There's a group called the Nicodemus Six, and leading the way was Verl Schweitzer. Sadly, he just passed away on June the 4th. Verl Schweitzer was from Nicodemus. 
He went to Kansas State. He became an All-American at Kansas State. He was the fourth overall pick by the Green Bay Packers in the 1954 draft and played for Green Bay, later became a, a U.S. Air Force lieutenant. He was an officer. Then he came after his time in the Air Force and played in the Canadian Football League. I knew Veroli was a good friend, a terrific family. His nephew Marvin also played in the National Football League with the Buffalo Bills. The Wilhites, Kevin and Gerald, both have roots in Nicodemus, Kansas. Um, Gerald played for the Denver Broncos. He was a running back. Kevin played for the uh, Green Bay Packers as a running back. Gail Sayers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the great Chicago Bears running back who played at the University of Kansas, had his high school time at Omaha Central in the Chiefs Kingdom in Omaha, was born in Wichita, but Gail Sayers' roots are Nicodemus, Kansas. And the Ron Sayers uh, from the same family played for the Chargers. So out of a tiny town in rural Kansas, which was an all-black community, uh, came these great players. But as much or more than that, great families that still have an impact in the Chiefs' kingdom. Many uh, Kansas City businesses have their uh, roots in Nicodemus, Kansas, in that Graham County area, whether it's Bogue, where they went to school, a lot of them, or Hill City. But it is a terrific place to visit. People don't even know about it. They don't even know about the story of the Exodusters, they call them. But what has happened now over time, over generation to generation to generation, of given an opportunity, making the most of it, and really making their own history. So when you're in the Chiefs Kingdom, there are some places to visit. That's cool. How do you find these things out? <laughs> well, I grew up around Nicodemus. Yeah, that's fair. I knew I've got, and Viral was a friend, but uh, I knew a lot of those families. The Clarks, the Alexanders, uh, Brogdon Motors in Olathe, Kansas, uh, is centered uh, that they trace their roots back to uh, the Nicodemus, Kansas area. But when you just, when you do the deep dive into history of the Chiefs Kingdom, it's fascinating. And with the Juneteenth uh, national holiday, you can do a deep dive here, whether it's the Negro Leagues Museum or the Buffalo Soldiers Monument or Brown versus Topeka Board of Education or Nicodemus, Kansas. Some of the most profound uh, areas uh, where opportunities were given and great stories are right here just within an hour or so or less of where we're sitting. That's really cool. And just, just learning, you know, that's the most important thing with this. And I think um, the, the most important thing as well is there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot to learn about. But yeah. um, celebrating Juneteenth and learning from our players, learning from players that have come before uh, is interesting, you know. And it's, uh, it's something that we need to keep doing. Um, but I'm so glad that we've had a chance to talk to guys like Bobby Bell. Uh, and then also, on the flip side, talk to Trent McDuffie, a guy who's 21 years old, but uh, who has a chance to um, inspire so many young African-American athletes. It's just a really cool thing um, to see transpire, and that's the beauty of uh, the NFL having the stage that it does uh, in this country. Is it, it gives us an opportunity um, to create real positive change. And that process never stops, but we uh, need to keep it going. Yep, the Juneteenth national holiday is about freedom. It's about a celebration, but it's also about opportunities, having an opportunity or yearning to get an opportunity and then uh, making the most of it. And we have seen that throughout the history of the Kansas City Chiefs and really in the area of the Chiefs' kingdom. He's Matt McMullen, Matt Stad, senior team reporter. I'm Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. Thank you for joining us on this little bit different edition, but one of our most important editions, I think, of Defending the Kingdom. Ten, ten, touchdown! Lock it down! And 
the celebration begins at Arrowhead.